2019, and I don't think that anyone could have predicted what 2020 had in store. At a universal level, we have threats of war, obviously the national pandemic that we're still facing this morning. At a national level, we see the violence in our country, we see the riots, we see the killing. We see an election where both sides have never been farther apart in what they stand for and what they support. On personal levels, each of us have had our own struggle, whether it's work, sickness, family, fears, depression. We've all had our own battles. And sometimes when we take a step back, especially here in 2020, and, and we look the situation at a universal level, the situation at a national level, and even a lot of times at a personal level, the circumstances and the situations can look hopeless, can look bleak, can look dim. But as much as the world may change and as much as we might feel overwhelmed or scared or fighting our own battles in life, praise the Lord that we serve and that if you're saved this morning, we know a God who never changes. We know a God who is always in control. We know a God whose name is above every name, every struggle, every fight, every disease, and everything we will ever face in this life. And he provides us with the handbook, the manual for life with that book that's sitting on your lap this morning. And I want to take a few moments and talk about, like I said earlier, what our biblical response should be to the valleys, to the struggles, to the fears, and the battles of life. Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Give you some context this morning. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Growing up in Sunday school, I used to love to say that name, Jehoshaphat. It's just a great name, and trying to teach that to kids without getting them to laugh in junior church is a challenge. But here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. And the Bible tells us that for the most part, Jehoshaphat was a good king who sought to please the Lord. The Bible says that the surrounding nations and the surrounding countries feared Jehoshaphat. Why? Because they knew that God was with him. And they, were, and they feared him. He sought the Lord. He taught his people in his kingdom the word of God. He commanded that they know and that they be taught the word of God. The Bible tells us, though, he did have poor judgment and he did make mistakes at times. The Bible says that he intermingled with the northern king of, uh, of Israel when the, when the country split in the northern kingdom. The king was Ahab, and most of you know Ahab and Jezebel. And Jehoshaphat did mess up and did trip up in intermingling and, and agreeing with some things uh, with Ahab and got himself into some trouble. But the Lord was merciful to Jehoshaphat and continued to bless him because he knew that Jehoshaphat in his heart was trying to seek the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercies because we all have our own faults and we all have our things that we, uh, that we know we mess up every single day. But praise the Lord that he's merciful. He's just looking for a heart who's trying, who gets back up, who's seeking him. And that was here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. He continued to bless and he continued to help and to use Jehoshaphat. But then we come to chapter 20, which was the passage we just read. And you see the Moabites, the Ammonites, and all of the ites <laughs> gather together. And they plan to invade 
and to war against Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel. So Jehoshaphat's generals and his advisors, they warn him of what's transpiring. They warn him of about what's to come. They gather him together, and I'm sure they're generals, and they get in the war room, and, and they say, Jehoshaphat, intelligence tells us that these nations are teaming up, they're gathering, they're scheming, and they're coming, and they're going to invade us, and they're going to attack us, and they want to kill us. Now notice in chapter 20, look at verse 3, Jehoshaphat's response. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. He was scared. God gave him victories, but this was something different. This was a huge army that was preparing to, inf- to fight, to invade, and to kill. And when Jehoshaphat got the intelligence, gathered the information, stepped back, assessed the situation, and looked what was about to go on, he said, man, this is a hopeless situation. And his response immediately was fear. Jehoshaphat feared. I wonder who's there this morning. I wonder who in verse 3 you could take Jehoshaphat's name out and say, Zach, feared. Your name, feared. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever you're going through right now, whatever circumstance that keeps you up at night while you fall asleep that you think about and it's on your mind again when you wake up in the morning, whatever circumstance or situation you're facing, I wonder how many of us this morning have that same assessment, have that same uh, decision or thinking as Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat feared. We're scared. We're worried. We're in a hopeless situation. You're in a valley you don't see no way out of. A situation at work with your family, a mental illness, depression, fear of the unknown and what's to come, a dim and hopeless situation. Hey, if you're not there this morning, you've either been there or you will be there because that's just life. But notice Jehoshaphat's response to this fear that has overtaken him. That's what I want to focus on this morning. Look again at verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. And what does it say, that next phrase? And set himself to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat feared and grabbed his phone and called his family and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jehoshaphat feared and couldn't sleep at night and started thinking of all the worst possible situations in his mind and was all nervous and stressed and didn't know what to happen. No, Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. The key phrase there is he set himself. A deliberate intention to seek the Lord. See, Jehoshaphat was not playing games with God. He was serious in his intent, in his action to seek the Lord. Hey, this morning, life is overwhelming. Fear has set in like we just talked about. It's not time to get in our own heads. It's not time to go and ask someone else for advice or to see what the world offers. No, it's a time to get serious with God and to set yourself to seek him, to not focus on the fears, but to focus on him, to turn our eyes upon Jesus, as the hymn says. But I wonder, the problem is how many Christians we play games with God. We'll come to church on Sunday, and we'll say amen, and we'll open our Bibles, but we live lives of fear. We live lives where we just go through the the routines, and we say amen, but we don't apply what the Bible teaches us. We don't access the power that God gives us to say, hey, you know, it's time to stop focusing on my fears. It's It's time to stop focusing right on this situation, but instead set myself 
to seek the Lord. Well, here's the question this morning. How do we set ourselves to seek the Lord? How do you set yourself to seek the Lord? We choose it at the start of every single day. Every single day, it's a desire to set ourselves to seek the Lord. We humble ourselves. We submit to the Lord. We surrender to him. And we set our eyes on God. We say, God, no more games. God, no more routines. God, I've been saved for many, many years and my heart is cold and Lord, I need you now. Or God, I'm just newly saved and I'm facing a situation. I'm facing a decision. I'm facing something that looks bleak, it looks hopeless, and I calculate the, the end results in my head and none of them are good. That's when God likes to work best. But you have to set yourself deliberately to say, God, I'm going to get serious with you and seek the Lord as Jehoshaphat did. But notice this in chapter 20. What else did he do? Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. Notice that next phrase in verse 3. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Proclaimed a fast. He showed the Lord he was what they needed most. He was what they needed most. Again, notice he didn't run to his generals. Okay, that's happening. What's the game plan? What's the strategy? What are we going to do? Let's start taking matters into our own hand. Let's start, uh, maybe we can ask this country to team with us, or we can start recruiting troops from here. No, he proclaimed a fast. He fasted, and he had his people in his nation fast. Christian, and I'm talking to myself this morning. Listen up now. Stop trying to control everything in your life. Stop trying to figure it out. Because the sad reality is when we take matters into our own hands, things just become worse. Rather than stepping back and just being still and knowing that he is God, setting ourselves to seek him, and this, fasting. Fasting. Turn quickly in your Bibles, if you can, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, I want to show you something this morning, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. And number two, we see he proclaimed a fast. He proclaimed a fast. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. Now, before we read that, let me give you some context here, what's going on in this passage. Jesus and his disciples, are, they're in Jesus' ministry, and he's going around, and he's performing miracles. And he's empowered the disciples to perform miracles and to heal people and to do miraculous things. But something comes across the disciples' path. Something comes across that they can't do, that they can't figure out, that they don't have the power to fix. And notice chapter 17, verse 14. And when, there, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. He said, my, my son is possessed. I brought him to your disciples. I've seen your disciples heal other people. I've seen them do miracles. They couldn't cure him. Jesus' response in verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. So Jesus heals him. He casts out the devil out of this child. Verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? 
God, you did it. Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do what you just did? Why couldn't we perform that miracle? We've done others. You've seen how we've healed. You've seen the things you've given us power to do. Why could we not heal that boy? Why could we not cast that devil out like you just did? And Jesus looks at them in verse 20. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Here's the verse I want you to notice this morning. Verse 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer, what's that next word, and fasting. By prayer and fasting. You know that verse 21 in different versions of the Bible is completely removed? People will debate and say, oh, it's just the translation and different things like that. But you know what I believe in my personal opinion? It's because the devil knows how powerful fasting is to the believer. He knows that when we decide, hey, I'm going to give up my phone for a couple of days. I'm going to give up social media for a day. I'm going to put some time aside. I'm going to skip a meal. I'm going to put away the things that are surround me, the things that are of social importance in my life. I'm going to put them away, and I'm going to instead say, God, I need you in my life. I need you more than this dinner meal. I need you more than this hour of scrolling through Facebook. I need you more than calling up and calling a friend. I need you more than reading this book. Lord, I'm giving it up, and I need you. And Jesus said to his disciples, this cannot come by, this victory can't come but by prayer and fasting. There's some victories and there's some struggles in your life. There's some valleys in your life. There's some things that you'll never see a breakthrough because they can't come unless you pray and fast and get serious with God. It's amazing how serious God gets with us when we decide we're going to get serious with him. What are you facing this morning? What are you fearing this morning? What valley are you in this morning? Can I challenge you? Skip a meal this week. I'm not saying take a whole week and fast. That's not a wise decision to make if you've never done it before. But why don't you skip a meal, skip breakfast, skip lunch, skip dinner. Why don't you put away fast social media for, for, for a day. And instead say, God, I'm hungry right now. I want food right now. This is usually when I'd be eating right now. But more than I need that and more than my desire for food and more than my desire to, for self-gratification, I need you. God, I need you in my life. God, I'm going through this valley. God, I'm going through this situation. God, like Jehoshaphat, there are armies around me. They're ready to attack me. The situation looks bleak. The situation looks hopeless. I calculated the results in my own head, and there's no good outcome. But God, I know that if you'll step in, I know that if you'll enter the equation, that you'll see a breakthrough, that you'll lead me out of the valley, and that you will work. It's amazing. What will happen? It's amazing the doors that'll open. It's amazing the prayers that'll be answered when you decide, hey, I'm going to get serious with God. And that was Jehoshaphat's response. He said, I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord. I'm going to proclaim a fast in all the nation, including myself. And then if you can, flip back again to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Notice what he did, number 3, verse number 4 of chapter 20. Not only did he set himself to seek the Lord, not only did he proclaim a fast to his people and his nation, but notice in verse 4, and this seems so simple, but
but so powerful at the same time. And Judah gathered themselves together, in that phrase, to ask help of the Lord. Even at all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord, got himself in position, decided he was ready to get serious with God. He fasted, and then he simply turned to God, and he asked him, God, I need you. Flip the page over, or if in your Bible there, look at his prayer. We just read it. Verses 9 through, uh, or what, let's see, verse chapter 20, verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And verse 6, here's his prayer. Here's Jehoshaphat asking the Lord, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people of Israel? God, I've seen you do it before. And gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. And they dwelt therein, and they have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. And we cry unto thee in our affliction, and that will hear and help. Notice when you continue to read this prayer, this is Jehoshaphat pleading to God. This is Jehoshaphat reminding God. This is Jehoshaphat and this uh, coming to God with a prayer of faith, saying, God, I've seen you do it before, and we need you. It's so amazing how when I face valleys in my life, when you face valleys and fears in your life and difficult situations, again, we run to family. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? We run to friends. We run to therapists. We run to Google for help and everything else that's around us. And not saying that any of that is wrong. But we fail to go and to ask the creator of the world who loves us and has a plan for us. And our eyes are focused on the temporal and not on the eternal. And God says, just look to me and ask in faith. And I will work. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. He said, God... I need you. But notice this. I love this phrase in chapter 20 in his prayer, verse number 12. Again, we're continuing to the prayer of Jehoshaphat. But notice this phrase. I love this because I don't know about you, but I've been here many times. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. See, God, this is a great army. I have no idea what we're going to do. I have no idea. Notice this next phrase. And how many of you not been here before? Neither know we what to do. I don't know what to do, God. I'm done trying to figure it out. Done trying to take it into my own hands. I'm done trying to come up with a game plan. God, I don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat got honest before the Lord. And what did he say in that next phrase? But our eyes are upon thee. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this valley. God, I don't know how my spouse who's not saved is going to come to you. God, I don't know how this friend or family member who's sick and struggling, the doctor said it doesn't look good, I don't, I don't see how it's possible that they'll be healed. God, I don't see how a friend or a son or a daughter who's in church who has left, how they'd come back. It's hopeless. God, I don't see how I'm going to get through this situation I'm in. I don't see how there's a future for me. I don't see how you could actually use me and love me and give me a blessed life. God, I don't see it. 
I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon thee. When you come to that point in life and you don't know what to do, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Notice quickly in that same thought, notice how they gathered together and they prayed. Corporate prayer. Something powerful about corporate prayer. Matthew 18, 20, famous verse, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Families, take time to pray together. Husband and wife, take time to pray together. Parents, pray with your children. Church family of Northeast Baptist Church, pray with your, your church family Wednesday night at 7.30. It's not just here to preach. It's a time we come to pray, to get hold of God. There's something serious about, or something powerful about corporate prayer. When we get together and God says, hey, if there's two or three or more, I'm there in the midst. That's his promise. And when we come together and we pray, it's amazing how God opens doors. It's amazing how God works. It's amazing how we see prayers answered. Pray with your family. Pray with your husband. Pray with your wife. Pray with your children. Pray with your church. Pray. Have a life, I guess a personal prayer life, but a corporate prayer life where you get hold of God. Notice this, and we're almost done this morning. Jehoshaphat's prayer, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. His prayer was a prayer of submission, surrender, and selflessness. God, I'm giving this over to you. I can't do this on my own. Our eyes are on you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Are you in a valley this morning? Are you going through something this morning? Has fear surround you? Are you overwhelmed this morning? That reminds you, when Jesus steps in, there's always hope. Let go, let God, and have faith. But here's my favorite part of this whole passage. The response of the Lord. You're in chapter 20. Skip down to verse 15. So Jesus, the Lord, hears Jehoshaphat's prayer. He sees how he set himself to seek the Lord. He sees how he's proclaimed a fast. He sees how he's gathered together, together in corporate prayer and said, God, I don't know what to do anymore. I need you. And notice what God's response. God speaks to the prophet, and the prophet comes in verse 15, and he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. All right, the Lord's about to give his response. And now, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude. Here's the phrase, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God says, it's not your fight anymore, Jehoshaphat. It's mine. I'm stepping in. Why? Because Jehoshaphat's response to the valley, Jehoshaphat's response to the bleak and hopeless situation was one saying, God, I'm going to get serious with you, and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to fast and put other things aside so that I can know you. And I'm going to ask a prayer of faith and say, God, I need you. And God looked down and said, Jehoshaphat, the battle is no longer yours. It is mine. And God gave him and Israel a great, miraculous victory. And can I tell you this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, if you will get serious with the Lord, if you will seek God, if you will fast and pray, God will look at you and say, Zach, that situation, that valley, it's no longer yours. It's mine. 
Brother Freddie, that situation, that valley, it's no longer yours. It's mine. Brother Gary, that situation, that valley, it's no longer yours, sir. It's mine. And I don't know about you, but I want God to fight my battles. I want God to lead me through the valleys of life. I want God to take my hand in a hopeless and dark and bleak situation and say, hey, I got this. I got this. Christian, what's your response to the fear in your life? George Mueller said this, famous missionary, faith does not operate in the realm of possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. The biggest answers to prayer in my life have been where I just decided to stop controlling things and said, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need wisdom. God, I need an answer. And not just a prayer that I prayed one day and I went about my life. No, but the Bible talks about persistent prayer. Praying consistently, coming to God on a daily basis, showing God I'm serious and say, God, I need you. Say, well, I don't know what to say. Just many times in my car when I'm praying, my whole prayer time will consist of me just saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. Lord, I need you in my life. The girls sing a song in church, and you probably have heard it before, called Big Enough. Lyrics to, the, to that song are this, I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness. There are mountains ahead that I can't move by myself. But I know when I'm weak, he's strong. When I can barely breathe, there's still a song. And even though it's hard right now, I'm not there on my own. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God's big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run because I know God is big enough. He'll finish everything he starts. He'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up because I know God is big enough. Whether you're here this morning or you're watching through live stream, can I tell you that simple truth? Whatever you're facing or going through right now, God is big enough. God is big enough. God has you. God wants to work. If you're watching this morning, can I tell you that God is big enough to save you? God is big enough to give you eternal, an eternal home in heaven. Again, whether you're watching or whether you're here, do you even know that God is your father? Do you even know that you're his child? Do you know that one day when you die, you will be in heaven with him? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? Have you ever made that deliberate action as Jehoshaphat set himself? It was a deliberate intent to seek the Lord. Have you ever done that to put your faith in him? To accept him? If not, can I tell you this morning, it is the most important decision you'll ever make to accept Jesus Christ into your heart to be his child, for him to be your father, to have a home in heaven. And it's not some complicated formula. It's not something that you have to work to attain. No, the Bible says very simply, there's four things you need to understand and have the faith to believe. That's number one, to know that you're a sinner. Know that we all have messed up. Know that we all do wrong things. 
Know that there's no one perfect in this world. No, we're all full of sin. Everyone who has lived is living and will live. We're all full of sin. We are cursed. Mankind is cursed since the Garden of Eden. We've all sinned, the Bible says. He says, number two, realize that because we've sinned, there's a penalty. There's a penalty for sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin, the word wages means the punishment. What you deserve for sin is death, is hell. Every single one of us this morning, we like to, you see people in the news right now, they think that they deserve something. No, the sad fact is that we all deserve death and we all deserve hell because we're a sin-cursed race. But understand, number three, that God loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take your place and to die on the cross for you. When Jesus hung there on that cross, he was dying for all of mankind. He was dying for everyone that will ever live on this world. He was taking all their sin, all their immorality, all the lies, all the theft, all the deception, all the lust, all the selflessness, all everything upon him and dying for you and for me. And the Bible says, you want him to be in your life? All you have to do is understand that and put your faith in him. Because when he died on the cross, he rose again the third day and he lives in heaven. And the Bible says that with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. Meaning, confess to the Lord, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, allow me to put my faith in you. Whether you're watching or here this morning, can you bow your head and close your eyes?